Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Today, I want to share out of Psalm 133. It's one of those great psalms, it's only three verses. You know, as soon as you pick up Psalms, you, you open up to Psalm 119, there's 176 verses. That's a marathon effort to really get through and study and devote yourself there. And others are very inspiring or challenging, but here, just the three verses, so I like these short ones. You can really get into it and, and grab it. And, uh, you know, when we pray for revival and a move of God, He sometimes st- prays for unity. The longest, the longest recorded prayer in, of Jesus in John 17, he prayed for unity. We pray for a move of God and he prays for unity. Let's look at why that is. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Dwell means you live there, you don't just visit it. You don't just visit it and dwell in unity when every, all your needs are being met or when uh, someone else bakes you your favorite meal, or when everything's working out well, or when you feel God's presence in church. It says we will dwell in unity. We'd live there. It's like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, coming down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down on the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Lord, speak to us through your living word today. I thank you, Lord, you give us these incredible pictures and revelations so that we can live in your fullness and overflow in Jesus' name. Amen. This week we've had the privilege of being at our state conference, our annual pastors and leaders conference, over a thousand pastors and leaders from Queensland and Northern Territory there on the Sunshine Coast. And it was a great time of inspiration, of celebration. We had some great guest speakers that stirred our hearts. And one of them was Pastor Mark Verigese from Perth, from Kingdom City. Some of you have heard of him. And he started his church 11 years ago. And now he's got 18,000 people in 11 years in six or seven campuses, and there's just thousands of people coming to Christ in Perth, in Kuala Lumpur, in Cambodia, in Africa. That's where Andy and Laura from our church have gone to work with them over in Perth. And uh, I was just so inspired. He's a 40-year-old guy who's just grabbed a hold of revelation of faith and leadership, and God's just anointing. They're seeing many miracles of transformation happen. Hey, the church is alive and well, and we've got to realize that God's at work doing mighty, powerful things. And he shared a thought on this that really grabbed my heart. And I just went home and I started to uh, seek God and develop it. It says that the blessing will come like Mount Hermon and to the hills of Zion. What's that mean? I haven't been to Israel, but I did pull out the map and had a look. Mount Hermon is right up the top of Israel. It's, it's over 3,000 meters high. And it's where the beginning of the Jordan River is. And it's, it's snow on the mountain up there most of the year. And so this beautiful um, water comes down. But because of so much snow and moisture, and most of that Middle East area is very dry, a lot of it's desert. But in this area with the snow and the beginning of the river, there's marshes, and there's so much dew that when uh, in the morning, it's like you've had a shower of rain of about five mils of rain. The dew is so heavy. People have camped there and they said everything's totally saturated. It's like the heaviest dew that we've seen, about 10 times more than that. 
and that waters that whole area, and it's like God's amazing way of bringing water to a dry land. And it's, so it's the dew on Mount Hermon. We don't understand what that means until you get the picture. And it flows from the top of the nation up there, and that flows into the Jordan River that flows into the uh, Sea of Galilee, and then all the way down to the bottom of the country in the Dead Sea. And Mount Zion is right down the bottom of the country. And it's not as high, and it's dry and barren. But the picture is, the blessing of God, when you've got unity, His blessing will come over your lives, and it will flow right over the whole nation, from the top, through the desert, providing water, all the way down to Mount Zion, which is at the bottom, geographically, of that country. And God says, the anointing, it's like it goes from Mount Hermon to Mount Zion. It also is like the oil that is placed on the priest, Aaron. He was the, the priest, the, the servant of God. And so when they were consecrated, the anointing oil was put on them. And they didn't put a nice little drop like we do. They'd get a whole container of it and just pour it over them. I remember years ago, we had a guy called Mad Dog Mudford. Anyone ever heard Mad Dog Mudford? He was an ex-bikey and an evangelist. I remember we had him at our church, and when he was ministering, you had to put plastic out the front here because he would get the anointing oil and just go like this over everyone, and you'd have oil all over you. That's just the way he prayed for people. I'll never forget that. You had to make sure people didn't slip over. There was so much anointing oil at the front here, but a whole lot of people got saved and healed in the process. It was just his way of doing it. We do it nice, nice little dab of oil there. No, it was just running everywhere. And this is the picture here. The oil I would come from the presence of God over Aaron. It would go down over his collar, over his coats, right down his garments, right down to the edge or the hem, the border, the tassels of his garment. That's the beautiful picture that we have here. And I started thinking about it, and Mark Verrick, showed the thought, and then I started to think about it. It's like the body of Christ. When we come together in unity and worship, in prayer and in love and faith, the blessing of God comes upon us and it starts to flow over our lives. It flows right down and right to the edge or the fringes of our church. So when you're out in the community and in your neighborhood during the week, there's an anointing that is refreshed and strengthened in your personal life. But when we corporately gather together and pray and worship, when we belong to one another and serve God together, it's like that anointing goes right to the edges of our church and our community. And we need the life of Christ so demonstrated through our love and our words that it's going to the edges of our society. I remember Anthony, I'm not sure if he's here today, he got baptized a few weeks ago. The first time he came to our church, about three or four months ago, he'd just felt to come to our church. No one had specifically invited him. He'd been going to a, another church um, consistently, but he just felt for something fresh and different. He said, someone met me in the car park, and they had a big smile and welcomed me to church. I get to the front door, and there's someone else shaking my hand and smiling and saying, hey, it's so good to have you at church. They didn't know this was his first time, because we have a lot of holiday makers and visitors. He got into church. As soon as the worship started, he just started to cry. He never felt the presence of God like he did that day. He was so touched. He works away in the mines in West Australia. So he came back a few weeks later when he's back. The third time he came was our NADOC theme service, where we had just all the indigenous people, and, and Maddie's playing the didgeridoo, and we're speaking and worshiping together. He was so overcome, he just cried through the whole service. I gave the altar call at the end. He put his hand up. And I went down and talked with him afterwards. I said, wow, God's touched your life today. 
and he couldn't speak. He couldn't say a word. He was so overcome with God's power and presence that his sins were forgiven. He could not speak for ages. He has been so transformed by God's love. I just thank God that the anointing was flowing to the edge of our church that day. Out in the car park and at the door. And people making him feel welcome. He'd never been here before, so he was a bit nervous, thinking, what's this church about? There's a whole lot of people like that come into our lives, come into church. Maybe you're like that today. Someone's invited you along, and you're in church today, and you're still trying to work out, what's this all about? But you feel his love. And that's, I felt to pray for all the health workers today, because you are on the front line. You're, you're reaching a whole lot of broken people that aren't going to walk through the doors of our church quickly. But they're on the edge of our community in pain or need and you are anointed all the way to the edges. And I thank God that he's placed you. He's called us to live in neighborhoods, to work in places, to serve in communities, to do whatever we are. And we are anointed from the head, flowing through and it reaches right out. But it only works when we're in unity. Because when we're not in unity, it breaks the flow. The enemy loves to cause strife in relationships, in marriages, in friendships, in churches, in ministry. He loves to cause strife because he's come to steal, kill and destroy. And part of that is to rob from you peace. But he knows the bigger agenda is to stop the flow of the anointing of the Spirit of God to you and through you, to your family and our community. That's his agenda. That's why he tries to bring strife. That's why it's so dangerous to let that rule in our hearts and our lives, in our workplace, wherever we are, because the flow of anointing is damaged or slowed down or stopped. It doesn't get to the edges and our kids miss out. Our families, our community, our neighbours miss out. I thought, Lord, how good and how pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Now, as you can see, our church, it's all ages, it's all backgrounds, it's all nationalities, professions and levels of uh, experience and society. So it's not about uniformity of thought. It's not about being the same because God blesses unity out of diversity, He's created us male and female. Some of us have known God from when we were a baby. First thing you remember is people singing in church. So my earliest memories is when I was a kid on Sunday nights at church and I'm supposed to be sleeping because mum and dad, mum played the organ and dad took up the offering in a little country church. So we were at church every morning and every night. And the only times we never could get there was when there was two metres of water over the creek and we couldn't get there. I can count on my hand the number of times from when I was a baby till I was 17 that I wasn't in church twice on a Sunday. I was raised with that, but I, I wasn't, that wasn't religion for me. That was life because my earliest memories is lying there and watching people getting healed in front of my eyes when I was a three or four year old. Hearing people sing, that's my earliest memories in my mind is being in the house of God and seeing God set people free. There's power. There's power, there's life, and we've got to let the love flow. And the enemy will try and stop unity so he can stop the flow of blessing, of life, of love, and power. This is how 
awesome this truth is. And, and I'm not preaching this because we've got disunity. We've got an amazing church of unity and love. But I know he tries to cause strife in your workplace, getting one person against another. Things go on. And the enemy's goal is to try and stop the flow of love and power and anointing. Jesus understood this. Matthew 9, 20, 20 says, Then a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the tassel fringe of his outer robe, for she had been saying to herself, If I only touch his outer robe, I will be healed. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Take courage, daughter. Your personal trust and confident faith in me has made you well. And at once the woman was completely healed. Now, it wasn't that he had a, a magic outfit or it was a $3,000 Italian suit or it was linen so special that it carried this special life. No, it was the presence of God because he was in unity with his father and the Holy Spirit had come on him when he was uh, um, baptized. So he lived in unity with the Father and the Spirit and so life could keep flowing. And all she had to do was touch the edge of his clothes and she was healed. I thought, Lord, I pray that people that touch the edge of our lives or our influence or our business or our home or our, wherever we are, I pray that when people touch that, they get love and they get healing starting to touch their hearts. And they get drawn closer and thinking, wow, wow. And God's love flows. His love flows. I heard a story this week, I forget who I talked to, and they knew a lady who used to live in one of the units at the back here for years before we built these new, did the renos. And they said, did you ever come to church? She said, oh, no, I didn't need to. I sat on my veranda and listened to Pastor Ross preach every Sunday. <laughs> she heard me preach for years. I thought, yes. She was on the edge getting the overflow. You never know who's getting the overflow of your life of your worship music you're playing, not loud so the whole street can hear it, but they hear that happy music in the mornings, the neighbours. You know, and, and it's amazing what God does, the edge, the flow, the overflow. Here's another story in Mark, Matthew 14, 35. And when the men of that place recognised him, they sent word throughout all the surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. Wow, it would have been a good day for the doctors. They had no one to see that day because there were people lining up at the front of the doctor's surgery saying, hey, don't come to the doctor today. There's someone over here who can heal you totally. It wasn't the doctors were doing a bad job, but just Jesus showed up in town and miracles were happening. So it says they brought all who were sick. That would have been, could have been thousands of people. <clears throat> and it goes on and says, and they begged him to let them merely touch the fringe of his robe and all who touched it were perfectly restored. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, I long for the days for that to happen again. But here, the people came, and once again, it wasn't that the robe was magic. It was just a point of faith contact because Jesus was carrying such love and anointing and life that if people got close enough, they received it by faith. Wow, I pray that people that get close enough to your life, to the edges of our church, whatever that means, 
they, they touch life. Something happens. Hope. Presence of Jesus starts to grab a hold of their lives. And something begins to get set free in their hearts. Jesus in John 17 11 says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So the name of Jesus protects us from the schemes of the enemy so that we can be one in him so that the anointing can flow to the edges of our lives, to the sphere of influence of where we are in our world. How powerful is that thought? That's all through the scriptures. And the enemy tries to stop that anointing flowing. But as you agree, like sometimes before you come to church, you end up having strife in the household. We raised three lovely kids, and I remember Sunday mornings used to be a challenge in our household, like some of you. Especially when God gives you a word and you're about to get up and preach, and you know, and strife would happen, or disagreement. Or... Rachel would pull the fish tank over on top of her with all the fish and everything. And she was only a toddler and one of the kids was nursing her and she reached out and grabbed the fish tank and then it went all over the place. Thankfully, no one got hurt. So Mary, yeah, the fish were flapping around on the floor and, and Mary had to stop and change them all. So I headed off to church to start. This one, we only had a small church and no uh, assistant pastor. Stuff happens when you're about to break through and, and do something fresh, the enemy will try and stir up strife in households or neighbors or workplaces. Stuff goes on. And it's, the enemy's trying to steal, but he's also trying to get you focused on other things so that the freedom and anointing can't flow and overflow your life. That's why unity is so powerful. It's worth finding a way to preserve it, to get it, to hold on to it. So how do we get that unity flowing? Number one, praise and worship unites our hearts. We just did that today in our church. That's why we love to praise and worship. And some of you might have come from other church backgrounds or not had Christian background. And think, well, why do you sing so many songs? And some people say, why do you sing the same song three or four times? And I say, well, usually the first time we just sing it because we like the music. We don't even think about the words. By about the third or fourth time, you're really starting to focus in on the words and your heart really engages. I said, that's one of the reasons we sing songs more than once. Because our human nature carries so many thoughts and things in us. But God wants us to connect. So praise and worship. The Holy Spirit filled them on the day of Pentecost. They were all in one accord in one place. Geographically, they were together. But in one accord, they were there of heart and mind, praying and worshiping. And the Holy Spirit came and the power of God came. And they started speaking in other tongues, speaking language they'd never learned. The anointing filled them because they were in unity. I remember a couple of years ago, we were here at um, next month, it'll be two, two years. One Sunday morning, we were here just worshiping. And halfway through the worship, I looked at Mary Lynn and she looked at me and thought, something, God's in the place today, greater than normal. And this presence of God just swept in. Within seconds, I looked around and nearly everyone had their hands raised or was crying. God swept into the place in a new way. I remember it so powerfully. And we had this incredible service and we had... Uh, Eric Clark was here from Thailand speaking. He said, when we went for lunch, he says, whoa, whoa, that was so powerful. And I went home and I said, Lord, what was different about this service? You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, enough people got into unity on focus today that I could show up to another level. That's what the Holy Spirit, enough people 
put aside the junk and really focused in on worshiping Christ and instead of standing like this, opened their hands and heart and just worship, he said, enough people got in unity so I could come and pour out my spirit to another level. I've never forgotten that. That was two years ago on a Sunday morning. I said, God, how come we don't do that often enough? He says, well, because we just got so much stuff and we carry so many things and we're tired and, and there's aches and pains and we've got pressure and all that. But when we get focused... Together in unity, God commands the blessing. It just flows. It is so beautiful. I said, Lord, help us in praise and worship. Also in prayer. Prayer unites our hearts. How awesome when you start to pray and you, you come from all sorts of back and the next minute you're in really seeking God. John 17, 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through this message, through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow, as we get into heart unity more and more, God's love flows and the world knows that Jesus is real. How powerful is that? And often it comes through prayer. With the whole challenge for religious freedom and the same-sex marriage debate and all that's happening now, it's causing a stirring of the church of Jesus Christ to arise and pray together. There's many prayer groups and people joining together from all sorts of churches and backgrounds. And at our conference, one of our guest speakers at our Pentecostal conference this week was the Catholic Archbishop of Hobart, Julian Porteous. Some of you have heard of him because he got uh, charged last year by the Anti-Discrimination Commission and was, had four months a process to get his name cleared. And what happened was he just sent out a brochure to all the Catholic families in the Hobart on what marriage was from the Bible. He didn't attack anyone, didn't do anything else. He just printed out what the Bible says about marriage. So he got hauled before the anti-discrimination was for causing offense to other people who didn't agree with it. That's the challenge we're facing in our nation, folks. This is not just about relationship. There is a huge agenda going on. He got up and preached. He was so articulate. He was so passionate. He was a man of authority and faith. There's no way in the world he's backing off. And here it is, the Catholics and the Pentecostals are two of the strongest voices standing up for Christian values right now in our nation. That is just incredible. 30 years ago, you never would have thought that could ever happen. And there's some parts of their teaching and doctrine I don't fully get, and they probably some of ours they don't fully get, but there's a whole lot of things to unite us on Jesus and the Word and God's plan for marriage and family. And God wants us to get bigger perspective on what He sees as important, and one of them's unity. And we've got to be careful we don't judge wrongly and close off God's agenda is often much bigger than ours is. And that was so powerful, and my heart was stirred. I think, God, you are bringing your church together in this nation like never before because of the challenges, and there's unity coming, and where that flows, God commands the blessing, and breakthroughs will happen across our land. Let's give him praise. God's at work by his Spirit. Oh, God, help us to flow together. 
How else do we come in unity? Pursuing and following Jesus unites our hearts. When we're following after him, that's what's our common court here today. We've got all backgrounds, ages, nationalities, and yet here we are together worshipping Jesus is the center. That's the reason why we're here. Not just because we've got good music or great coffee afterwards or food or whatever we've got. It's not just friends. It's about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God that's our focus. And as we follow after him, there is a unity and his blessing overflows. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. To keep it. In other words, you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to try and find it. In Christ, we have unity, and then we have to just maintain it and make sure we get rid of the net breakers out of the situation. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Two other key things that join us together. Love unites our hearts. Love will join hearts together like no structure, no organization, no set of laws or bylaws or constitutions. Love joins our hearts together. Jesus said in John 13, 34, By this will all men know that you are my disciples as you love one another. We don't understand the power, the unifying effect of how we love one another in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, in our life groups. We don't understand how powerful a witness that is. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Wow, this morning we all got up and we decided, we looked out the window and thought, is it sunny? Is it raining? What clothes are we going to wear? It's sort of in between seasons, so you're not sure whether to wear this or that. But we all made a choice because we're here. But how many of us got up and made a choice of what clothes we're going to put on our soul and our spirit? It says to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. Tomorrow when you go to work or study or whatever your role is, it might be into a challenging or difficult environment. What clothes are you going to wear naturally and spiritually? And what does being clothed with compassion look like and kindness? You will know that because the Holy Spirit will show you what that looks like in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. He'll show you what being clothed with humility looks like. So next time you work out what you're going to wear, while you're making that decision in your clothes cupboard or wardrobe, just take a moment and think, what attitudes am I going to wear today? I'm going to clothe myself with love, kindness, compassion, humility. I'm going to clothe myself with forgiveness. And the last thing that joins us together is common purpose of seeing God's kingdom grow and unites our hearts. How awesome when we want to see lives transformed. It will cause you to grow, to give, to serve, to pray. Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How beautiful is this? God joins us together 
in one spirit because we are followers of his kingdom. Wow, that is so, so powerful. And one of the key scripture, as we just come and we're going to partake of communion just to finish our service today, just take a few more minutes to, to let his presence touch our hearts. Psalm 23, 5 and 6 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my... Why isn't it friends? It's much more fun with friends. God says, even when there's enemies, I'm going to prepare a table for you. It says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Sounds a little bit like the oil on Aaron's. Down his beard, down his cloak, right down to the edge of his garments. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That word follow, another understanding of it is actually pursue. So God's running after you every day to fill you up with love. And sometimes we're, we're struggling to keep up with stuff. He says, hey, slow down a bit so I can pour some more love on you. I want to give you mercy and grace to help you in this challenging time of your life. All the days of your life and I will dwell. There it is, dwell in unity, dwell in His presence. Not just visit it for an hour and a half on Sunday. Not just visit it when we got the Christian rallies coming over. Not just visit us when the kids ask us a question in the Bible and so we've got to dig in and get it sorted. No, we dwell in your presence and in your house forever and ever. Wow, wow, wow. Unity flows. Thanks, team, as you distribute the emblems. We're going to invite you to, when the worship team come, we're going to invite you to take the emblems and hold on to them because in a moment we'll partake together. I just want to read that verse I started with. Psalm 133 in the New King James says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending on the mountains of Zion for where, there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Wow, wow, wow. Lord, you're so beautiful. Today, I feel the Holy Spirit saying no one needs to do life alone. If you know Jesus, you belong to the family of God. He often puts us in family units. Sometimes we're in seasons where we might be on our own where we live or in relationally, but you're never fully alone because we belong to the family of God. And sometimes we try to do it now, especially us men, we think, well, I can, I can sort life out. We don't let people get into our heart enough. Sometimes we've been hurt or wounded, so we just keep safe boundaries around us so no one can get too close. Some people even get wounded in the body of Christ because the enemy make, tries to set up traps and offenses for us. And we get disappointed, disillusioned. And we think, well, I'll come to church, but I'm just going to play it safe. You only ever let people get 80% into your heart. I know, Marilyn and I have been wounded in ministry over the years, and we've had to choose. No, we're not going to get bitter. We're going to get better. Because I know the power of unity. I know the power of keeping your heart open. Because God, often we get hurt through people, but we get healed through people. And if you let fear hold you back, you hold back and you miss out on part of the healing process. Oh God, you can heal my heart. He does, but he often does it through people. Because that's the body. That's unity. That's the power of unity. And today, as we 
hold our communion, we're here to commune with the Lord. It's called Holy Communion for a good reason, because it's holy, and it reminds us of the beautiful finished work of the cross. So we have Holy Communion with Him, but we also have communion with one another, because we're the body. Jesus instituted communion with His disciples, not just on His own or just with one. He did it with the group. Let's stand together in His presence. And don't partake yet, because I want to just take a moment for us to share together. We need to commune with Jesus looking back with thanksgiving. We need to look in and make sure our sins are forgiven with Jesus. We need to look forward with hope and faith for the future. We need to look out to one another in love and grace. And we need to look up to see Jesus coming again. Maybe one of those looks is not comfortable or scary. Today, I want Jesus to touch our hearts. Before we partake, I'm going to invite you just for the next couple of minutes. We've just got a few minutes before we finish. Just a, for a couple of minutes, I'm going to invite you to go to someone. May, it may be someone standing beside you. It may be someone behind or in front. Or it might be someone across the other side of the church. And I'd like you to do exchange glasses, but pray blessing on one another. It might be a group of two or three or four. I'd like you to commune with one another over this communion. And you say, well, I don't know anyone here. I don't know them. Just say, hey, can I share communion with you today? Let, let his love, because there's some people here who are going to get healed right now. There's some people here who are going to have some barriers dropped down. Some people here are going to realize the power of unity and just doing this together. Maybe as a husband and wife, maybe as a family, maybe as some friends, or maybe someone new. It might be a special moment. You might pray and bring healing to someone's heart. Why don't we just take two minutes to do that right now? Encourage you, don't stay where you are. Go and find someone on their own or a couple, and let's share together. Encourage you to pray for one another and then exchange glasses. Let's go and minister to one another right now. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.